Welcome to the Tuesday Review. I'm Nathan, as always, joined by Callum and James in the studio. How are you going, guys? Good. What up? What up? Not too much. Um, and today is just a review roundtable week. Yep. Um, unfortunately, I'm getting renovations done at the house, so I don't even have a TV at the moment. Which is so, worse than torture. Yeah. For, for someone like me, I was just like, might as well just jump off a bridge. Um, but yeah, so the next, at least the next couple of weeks will probably just be review roundtables where we just talk about what we've been watching lately, um, which for me will be kind of like older stuff because the last couple that I didn't even have internet today, which is torture. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we're, look, we're heavy consumers. There's always something. Yeah. To talk oh, there's about. always something I've, I've watched. Um, but, um, yeah. And luckily I've been watching stuff heaps before we had to get rid of the TV and, um, and also, there's not really anything on at the cinema that I'm willing to pay for. And I don't know if you guys, you know... Not really. Do. So, in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably just do a yeah. couple of review roundtables. There's, there's a few things coming out. Uh, on... Yeah, I'm always watching interesting things. Yeah, yeah there's always something to talk about. And there's a few things coming out on Netflix recent soon, too. Yeah. We've got the um, Zack Snyder zombie movie. Oh, yeah. Soon. That might be Army worth talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but there's a few always, things to talk always about. stuff to talk about. Always stuff to talk about. I uh, think Nathan's got the most to talk about, so you you start. Okay, we'll start with the classic. <laughs> we watched um, Steven Seagal's early '90s classic on Deadly Ground. Classic, quote unquote. Modern classic. <laughs> um, okay. We've peaked early, boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, about... I was a Michael Caine classic. Oh, okay. Okay. It's a Michael Caine a Michael movie Caine above movie. a cigar movie. That's it. <laughs> um, for context, this movie's on Netflix, um, and it says high definition. Yeah, but I don't know about that. I don't yeah. know. Um, they, they pulled a. They pulled a Amazon. It's they, a kind of definition. It's a kind of definition. It's it is a definition. I don't know <laughs> if it's a high. Um, but uh, it, it looks like they've used AI upscaling trickery to sort of force. Um, I'd say almost substandard definition um, quality picture into being a high definition picture. Yeah. So you can see scan lines and you can see all, it doesn't look very good, but technically I guess they're outputting it in a high resolution format somehow. Yeah. I mean, if the source wasn't good to begin with, you can yeah. uh, upload it at HD. It doesn't mean anything yeah. really. Um, <laughs> so it looked absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, but it was... That was part of the charm, in a way. Yeah. Um, there, it, yeah, there are bad movies that are, like, best viewed in, like, VHS quality. <laughs> yeah, and we got most... That's what we mostly got. Um, you know, Steven Seagal plays, like, a sort of a corporate fixer or something like that. Because I, I hadn't seen it before, and I, I didn't have time to watch it, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how <laughs> you look at it. But I, I looked up I looked up the um, synopsis, and it says, A mystical martial artist slash environmentalist agent takes on a ruthless oil corporation which i thought was hilarious yeah his name is forrest Forrest taft that's such a good name um it's steven seagal's directorial debut and he wrote the script (laughs) yeah (laughs) like like because you guys were describing it to me and i was like it sounds like a parody movie yeah because steven seagal is so unself-aware yeah, that he does, you know, these movies, and obviously it was like a um, vanity project. Yeah, you know, spearheaded oh, by look, him. Oh, look, it's it's ridiculous. The movie's ridiculous. <laughs> there's a there's a, a bar fight. Um, a redneck is being racist to a Native American man, yeah. and Steven Seagal wants to put a stop to it, so he challenges the guy to a bar fight. Yeah, not any regular old bar fight. A slap fight. Yeah. So you know those games you play in high school, where you've got to like slap the other top of the other person's hand before they move. Before they yeah. move. 
It's that, and then the winner gets to punch the other guy once. <laughs> and Forrest Taft always wins. And it's like yeah. really drawn out, like weird, almost Lynchian yeah. sort of experience. It's funny too, because you guys said that Joan Chen is in it, yeah, who played in, Josie she, in and she plays Twin in Peaks. Yeah. It's so unself-aware and yeah. like unironically silly that it be, loops back around and yeah. becomes a genius Lynch yeah. movie. <laughs> and, and Michael Caine is super weirdly aggressive in this movie. Like <laughs> yeah. he's really, uh, like really aggressive in yeah. the best way possible. And, and it's just he can't Now, for whatever reason, I guess it was important to Seagal that Michael Caine play an American man. Yeah. But, of course, Michael Caine, as good an actor as he is at this period of his career, doesn't, when yeah. he can't do, doesn't the, accent, do the accent. So, yeah. he rolls some of his R's and that's about it. Yeah. So, you have this this really strange vocal performance yeah. by Michael Caine. And his hair's dyed black as no. well. Oh, man. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just kind of... It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Oh, man. But it was it, entertaining. Yeah. And... Um, it uses practical violence and practical effects. Yeah, we were talking about the other night, where it's like even those bad eighties and nineties like B movies, like they had like good squibs and like yeah. blood, and you don't really get that no. now. And like you know, there's a guy in the movie who gets shot with a shotgun by Steven Seagal, and it's gory. Yeah. And I'm like, it's a terrible movie, but they st- the the practical violence yeah. is still better than what we get out of good movies today. Well, yeah, we always talk about like even B movies from the 80s and 90s. It's like they had that charm because there's like a practical, you know, tangible quality. They were shot on film. There's a smoky kind of look to them. And now a lot of movies are just kind of dull and flat and non, you know, no violence and CG and it's not the same. Yeah, and this movie is terrible as it is on paper. Yeah. Like, oh, it has terrible. Some... It's terrible as it is in practice as well. Yeah, uh, <laughs> true. But, like, at least the practical effects were pretty damn cool. Yeah. Like, there was a couple of dodgy CG, it's violent. like, um, when you watch a mo- When you watch a Steven Seagal action movie, especially from the 90s, you're like, you just want a dumb, violent movie. Yeah. And, like, look, the, the slap fight aside... His karate is ridiculous. Oh, he's, one of those guys he's where not. Like, he's barely a martial artist. Yeah, like, like where he like flips people with his wrist. Yeah, like, I don't know where he's, he's barely an actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's not an actor it's at like, all. It's like I say, he's there in the movie to progress the plot forward, not yeah. to act. No, <laughs> yeah, but like Steven Seagal is definitely the bottom rung of the main, you know, big name action heroes. But that that was um, interesting. Yeah, action um, stars. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the other thing, I finished Goliath finally. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, you had you finished the second season, which was disappointing, and then I was like, "Well, let me know how the third season is." So then it's so I know if, whether it's worth starting or not. The third season has a more rounded out story. So it, the um, yeah. without spoiling anything, it's sort of like the central conflict of season three is solved in a relatively fulfilling way. Yeah. So like, and they're kind of trying to wiggle into solving seasons two's problems a little bit by the end. Mm. Um, it is getting a fourth and final season, which apparently will tie everything up. Mm. Um, having said that, as a package as a whole, I would still recommend people watch it. Yeah. Um, one of James's friends described it as like an alcoholic Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Which is a very good way of putting it. Um, and it's that kind of like, he always does what's right. He always does like yeah. money is secondary. If he can get a profit, good, but yeah. he's not driven by a profit. Yeah. Um, he's driven by, you know, what his sense of justice, his mm. morality. Yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, season three, definitely. 
it has a not... little bit of David Lynch to it. It's a little bit weirder. Okay. Like there's sort of like dream sequences and like hallucination is that, sequences. Is that not something that had happened in the previous no. seasons? No. That's it's weird. sort of it's a little it's a little stranger. It's a weird thing to introduce. But it works. Hmm. Like there's certain scenes without I can't really spoil yeah, too yeah, much, yeah. but there's certain aspects of it which really remind me of like a David Lynch type of show. Mm. Um, not Twin Peaks specifically, but that kind of those uh, David Lynchian elements. Yeah. Um, that I, I enjoy. We all enjoy in this studio. Mm. Um, I do recommend that. I think uh, Goliath as a whole is a very good show. Mm. Uh, and but we'll see what uh, season four has to bring. Yeah, I, I said to you like I'm using you as the guinea pig and to see if it's worth watching and since they've already announced that season four will be the last one i might as well just wait and then binge the whole yeah. thing instead that, of that's also probably the best experience yeah too. instead of binging one to three and then waiting yeah you know no i, I would recommend if you can wait to season four and it's finished because it's definitive yeah. like they've announced it's not like a six month sort of oh you know we're finished got to wrap everything up it's, yeah this was planned yeah so oh that's good yeah oh if you can wait to watch it i probably would wait until season four is finished yeah. um and also, I watched Shadow. I finished Shadow and Bone. Yeah, that, that's because I saw the trailer. I was like, "Oh, it looks cool," but you know, there's so much to watch, and like, I was just like, "Is it worth watching?" Pros and cons. It's not that long. It's like eight episodes. Is that a pro or a con? Pro. Okay. It tell it tells a story. There's no. There's not little. There's not much fat on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like eight episodes, about forty minutes an episode. Yeah. Uh, 40, like they can go up to like 40, an hour, yeah. but like, I you know, it's sort yeah, of 50 minutes, an hour, 40 yeah. to an hour. Um, pro it looks spectacular. Okay. Like it uses that Dolby vision 4k technology. Yeah. If you have a TV that runs with it, it looks really good in Dolby vision. If you yeah. have a TV that supports it. Yeah. Um, like you've got your inky blacks next to your, like your really bright lamps yeah. and like that kind of a looks really nice, mm. nice steampunk aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and also, like, look, the story, we know what the story is. It has those sort of... It's based on a teen It's based novel. on its young adult um, teen novel. It has all those tropes of, yeah. like, a chosen one, a magic, a, you know, a unique magic user yeah. uh, defeating the bad guy. Yeah. It, it does have those tropes, but it plays it well. Okay. Like, there's nothing wrong with a trope as long as it does it yeah. well. Like, you can't escape the tropes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you you can flip them on their head, but sometimes it's good just to have a sort of simple, as long as it's executed well, and it's executed as best it can be. Yeah, um, it's get, I think it's getting another season. Um, I think it's popular. Yeah, uh, and uh, look, I I did enjoy it. It had its issues. Uh, a friend of the show, Daniel, is a, a massive fan of the books. He oh, had okay. other issues with it because they yeah change things. They incorporated two books. Into the one show. Okay. And he has some issues with how that They sort condensed of, two books into one season. Yeah, they condensed. There's the Grishaverse books yeah. and then the Crow books. And they're separate. They're set in the same world, but they're separate stories. Oh. And so... So they're not sequel. It's not a sequel. No, it's like in the same universe. No, they're all set in the same universe, but they're separate stories. That's interesting. And they took the Grisha. Half of the show is like the Grisha and half the show is the Crow books. And they sort of twine them together. Now, I haven't read the books. Yeah. But as a, a viewer, I didn't notice, and it it felt natural to me. That's an interesting thing to do, though. Yeah, look, for me, it worked. I hope that the author got paid. The as author if they was were adapting the, two of the books. Well, the author was heavily involved in the show. Yeah, like mm. I, that's one of the things where I'm like, I feel like a company could very yeah. easily do a dodgy with royalty checks yeah, this way. Probably, oh, yeah. yeah. 
And that's that was my first thought. I'm like, I hope that was done as legally, ethically as possible. Mm. Um, oh, it would have been because the, the author yeah, was heavily involved in the because I mean, you producing just, the show. Like you'd have to option one book and then option the other yeah. just because they're set in the same yeah. universe. Yeah, they're, they're separate books. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it would have been fine because the author is heavily invested and involved in the show. Yeah. So I'm guessing she, they at least approved, would have approved. Yeah. Um, but look, as a viewer who hasn't read the books, it seemed natural to me how they sort of ex- directed the story in the narrative. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have known otherwise unless I was told. Yeah. I thought it was fine. I'm excited to see the second season. Yeah, I might give it a go. It's... There's just so much to watch. I was telling you oh, be- yeah. before we started recording, I said, I've got a list of eight shows that are just coming out this month that I have to watch. That's not including all the other shows I still have to catch up on that have already come out. Oh, it's torture. Yeah. And it's just, it's so hard to keep up, especially, you know, with what i got going on. And so, but yeah, I, I, it's good that you, that you liked it because, you know, I wasn't sure about it. And then I even went to work and a guy was talking it up and saying that he really enjoyed it. I so. mean, look, look, it has its issues, but those issues are really just that it uses tropes. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, you can't get as long as that. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I don't mind young adult adaptations. It's just they, they, they do have a reputation. Yeah, no, this is... <laughs> yeah, they, do. <laughs> they do. So as long as this um, one doesn't get too, you know, high school melodramatic. Nah, not really. It's fine. Which can work in, you know, Certain, depending on yeah. how you play it, yeah. Um, no, it's like, it, it has the budget it deserved. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it has a massive budget, but it doesn't seem that grand. And and it's fantasy too, and which fantasy. we always are like more, more we, fan- yeah. we need more fantasy. It's somewhat grounded. Like there's magic users, but the way magic works is like they can manipulate elements and stuff like that. Kind of like yeah. Avatar. Um, but like you don't, there's great, like the the central sort of conflict of the show is that there is a rift of darkness in the separating the middle of a continent, mm. and um, like inside that rift, there's like evil creatures and stuff like that. But you don't really get a good look at them. Yeah. So you obviously that's easier on the budget and easier yeah. on the CG because it's well, like, especially for the first season, it's yeah. like you introduce the there's something in the darkness, yeah. and then later if they get more, they can be like, oh, yeah, the monster. You, you see little glimpses, but you don't see them really like. Um, Really visibly. Yeah. So it's like, I guess in a way, like, they can, like, still make that look pretty good because you're not really getting a good look at them. It's yeah. only things that are moving yeah. or, like... I mean, like, I haven't, I haven't watched the show or read the books, but monsters monsters are often the least interesting part of yeah. a universe. Like, and, and, it work, and, yeah, and this works for the show because you're not seeing them directly. It's yeah. more of a thing of, like, you're hearing them or you're, like... Yeah. And it's sort of it's more threatening if you don't, you're not looking at it. Yeah. It's using your imagination yeah, exactly. to conjure it's the more bad scary, guy. Yeah, yeah. Like in Signs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, um, alien. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and the magic Predator is fairly... Even. And the magic is fairly grounded. Mm. It's like guys shooting fireballs. It's not like nothing... It's very standard, like, um, simple. Yeah. There's no Gandalf or, like, Dumbledore... Yeah, like Harry Potter ...throwing ones. magic. Yeah. There's no Harry Potter-esque sort of, like, really wild magic. Yeah. Which, for the show, it kind of works because it feels more grounded. Mm. Especially if you have a complicated world. You don't need to make it overly complicated by having yeah. systems people have to... Well, yeah. You know, I mean, really yeah, think with about. magic, you have to have some rules. Like, you can't just be like, any character comes in and all of a sudden they can do anything because then your whole universe is broken. Yeah, and, yeah. and again, yeah, this way it kind of works well for the show because it's like, because it's so grounded... Magic exists, and yeah, it's cool and whatever, but it's like it can't do everything. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you have one thing. Yeah. 
And it's like you can, yeah, sure, you can control fire. You can shoot you, a fire. Yeah, you were saying it's like each each person's magic is based on one element. Yeah. Like yeah. So like one person can sort of like you know um, manipulate wind so they can like push ships to go faster. Yeah. Or someone can throw fireballs or like there's like the bad guy can control darkness or yeah. like one of the bad guys controls darkness rather. Mm. Um, and like you know the main character can manipulate light and it's like it's simple grounded yeah. sort of non it is fantastical obviously it's magic yeah. but it's non um it's not offensive to you being like well this is ridiculous it's yeah. like that the, the way like the way they have it with one person controlling sort of one aspect of yeah an element it's sort of it, it's not as sort of there's not one guy who walks around being like i am god like yeah, i will I destroy everything i have all i'm the sure powers. they introduced that character who's like yeah. i can do all the elements yeah but like there's still an element of danger you know what i mean because yeah. it's like even if you have magic and you're powerful it's like well you can't do everything there's still an yeah. element of you're still a you man can, yeah you're you still can you can wield you can wield that element but you're not like a superhero a, yeah yeah you, you know don't have super strength or so i like that about it yeah that sounds yeah. cool you were describing to me, and I was just like, "Oh, it's like Avatar: The Last Airbender, yeah. but like in a steampunk ba- universe." And you were like, "Oh, it's kind of like a Carnival Carnival Row esque, little a little bit." Kind of, it has that feel yeah. to it. Yeah. Did you guys watch His Dark Materials? No, no, but it's on my watch list. I yeah. have the books. I still haven't read them. Yeah. Apparently, they're good. I- yeah, I, I started reading the first book. I watched the first two seasons of the show, and I, I enjoyed the show. I feel like there would be some similarities because it's like a young protagonist in a magical world. There's some steampunky kind of things, but yeah, that's a good show too. Yeah, but no, like I, I'd say give it a go. It's uh, it's only like eight episodes, and it rounds out. Um, I'm not sure if it's been renewed. I know it's done extremely well for Netflix. I'm not sure if it's been officially renewed. I'm sure it will be. Uh, yeah, I don't. I haven't seen an announcement, but it seems like one of their shows. A flagship show. Yeah. yeah. Um, With the amount of money they what have poured into it and uh it rounds like the central plot of the first season is rounded out nicely with like some hints of what they could do in a second season yeah but like if it gets cancelled it's still worth a watch because it's still it still rounds out. yeah oh that's good like it can still be viewed as a one season show you know yeah. what i mean um, I, I think that's all i've got yeah callum do you want to go yeah i've been watching a few movies lately yeah um, um i started off with Kalito's way Mm. Uh, starring um, Al Pacino, Al Pacino, and uh, Sean Penn as well, mm. uh, who I think is actually almost the stronger actor in this film because he sells it more. There are certain scenes. I where mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but there, are, like Al, that was like. I oh, know Al Pacino is always good. Yeah, no, but, but it's like Al, it's like it's later Al Pacino, so it's not as good yeah, older as earlier Al Pacino. Al Pacino yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, there are some scenes where Al Pacino seems kind of tired's the wrong word, but he doesn't have yeah the energy yeah. Um, where uh, Sean Penn, on the other hand, uh, carries that energy for him. Yeah. Um, because uh, Sean Penn plays a uh, cocaine addicted lawyer hmm. who like helps up the mob elements in the city. Yeah. Uh, like he's like the fixer, if you know what I mean. Like you know, like that 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 trope of the the lawyer who's on the take. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the story revolves around Al Pacino plays a uh, a guy called Carlito, uh, referred to in the movie as Charlie. Hmm. Um. Who gets out of jail after doing some time because he was a heroin dealer? Yeah, and essentially, uh, Sean Penn's character, uh, what was his name? Julian? Uh, no. Uh, I'm looking up. It says Kleinfeld. Kleinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his first name. Yeah. But uh, Jules. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, it doesn't it's, it's matter. Immaterial. Yeah. 
he uh, he gets uh, he gets Al Pacino out of jail a bit earlier by doing uh, some evidence related yeah whatever shenanigans some uh, yeah it happens before the movie so who cares um, and Al Pacino is determined to essentially stay out of jail he wants to lead a clean life he wants to go and sell cars yeah and like. South America somewhere. Yeah, he wants to stay away from the drug yeah. trade. And anyway, he, uh, of course, um, because story, he gets pulled back into the underworld. He ends up running a club and, you know, there are colourful characters coming in and out. Yeah. But essentially, the whole big, the big drama in the film is Kleinfeld uh, gets involved with a gentleman in prison who's a, an, an Italian mob boss, I think. Yeah, he is. And uh, he says, you need to get me out or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And so they have a plan to get him out, and Al Pacino gets forced into helping him. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's funny. I knew it was Sean Penn because mm. I saw I saw like on the cast. Yeah. But he 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 does such a great job. He doesn't look he like Sean so Penn. Different, yeah. Yeah. He, um. The, the the there's that character in uh, GTA Vice City who's like modeled after that the character in Carlito, Sean uh-huh. Penn's character. <laughs> you know, the the dodgy lawyer, coke yeah. addicted lawyer. Yeah. Um, but the, the the reason I want to more talk about this film is because the scene at the end, it's one of those movies where it has the start at the end of the, the um... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it starts with Al Pacino dying or getting yeah. shot, but you don't know if he dies at the start. Yeah. It's just him getting wheeled away. Yeah, and then the movie happens and you yeah. see the end. But yeah. uh, the end sequence is in a train's in uh, Central Station or whatever in Grand New York. Grand Central Station, yeah. and yeah. oh, man, such a great seat. From start to finish, yeah. the tension oh, yeah. is, is you know, You know, Brian hard. De Palma was like working his way up to that with Untouchables and like, you know, like that's... Like that was he's working up towards that. Yeah, just an incredibly tense scene. Yeah. Um, and like the, there's that scene where uh, Al Pacino is fighting off the bad guys while he's on the he's going down the escalator. Escalator, yeah. And that was great. A lot, and the he's, train. He's when he's moving through the train carriages, and there's like the people yeah. in the way. The ten, and it's like done almost in one take, and the tension's yeah. so great. Is Carlitos the way the one with Vigo Mortensen where he's in the wheelchair? I don't think so. It could be, but I, yeah, maybe I like, missed my that. My dick don't work, man. Do you remember that bit? Maybe. <laughs> I'll look maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure but it I, is. I didn't, if that is the case, I didn't notice. <laughs> if it, yeah, could, I mean, Vigo is such a good actor, you probably didn't even He's recognize him. He's a chameleon, him. yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, no. Nah. Um, like, I, I really like Carly's yeah. way. Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my dick don't work. <laughs> He's in the wheelchair. Um... But yeah, I, I like Carl, Carlito's way, but it always felt like it's like the the less energetic, less powerful Scarface. Yeah. Like I, it's De Palma and Al Pacino back again. It's like a, you know, Latin gangster. I haven't seen, I actually haven't seen Scarface. Oh, wow. It's you a, should it's on watch my list. that. It's on my list. You should have watched that before Carlito's way. Well, they're, they're, they're like two separate sides of the same coin. Yeah. So I can understand it being less energetic because the frantic stuff's already happened. Do you know what I mean? Like you've already yeah, had the, the, the it, drug not, dealing side yeah. of things. And I'm like, this is about the man who wants to get out. To get who out wants of the to life. slow down. Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, I can say if the movie is less energetic as a whole, I can see that as yeah, a criticism. Yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, uh, and then I moved on to Ronan, uh, which I had seen. I wasn't yeah. sure. There was oh. a bunch of these movies which I, I, I saw in the 2000s that yeah. I like, forgot about. And yeah. then a certain scene will come up and I'll be like, oh, I remember now. Yeah. And for Ronan, that happened pretty early on, actually. Um, Ronan, of course, stars uh, De Niro. Um, um, what would you call it? His middle period? Uh, yeah. He's like in his 40s or so. I mean, it's, it was 50s. like late 90s, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's not like um, peak De Niro, but it's not like sad grandpa, bad yeah, grandpa. Ni- yeah, yeah. What is it? Naughty um, grandpa. Whatever the naughty and grandpa. And Ronan, <laughs> Ronan revolves around a bunch of mercenaries 
uh, who are trying to retrieve a, a MacGuffin case. Yeah. Um, and so I saw jokes on the internet, what's in the case, and they're like the same thing that was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, doesn't uh, matter. Whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, my theory is it's uranium, because why not? Yeah, nuclear launch codes. Yeah. Who cares? Um, anyway, so uh, it's an action-packed film. Great thriller. Great, oh, great action of, it's sequences. It's one of the best like action thrillers yeah great driving sequences yeah um, amazing car chase yeah and one of the actors refused to have a stunt driver and the director's like I don't want to see any brake lights <laughs> um, so yeah I, I really I'd seen it before but yeah. uh, I really enjoyed it oh it's an incredible I, movie I really enjoyed the rewatch yeah like you know picking up little bits and pieces um, I think uh, like you said it's one of the few movies where Sean Bean doesn't die yeah uh, so that's nice. It's a win for Sean Bean. The cast, yeah, the cast is incredible as well. It's got so many great actors. Uh, yeah, it's stacked. Yeah, really stacked. Such a good movie. Um, yeah, it was really clever. Uh, action sequences. Uh, featuring De Niro, like the um, when they're in the hotel and yes, they're, they're taking the photos. Yeah. And he makes the gunshot sound by making the um one of the boards fall outside the hotel. Oh yeah. So he can get a picture of how much people are actually packing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who? Yeah. Who's the um the the muscle undercover? What do you call yeah. it? Uh, not secret security. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you know what the I mean? Muscle, the bodyguards. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I really like that one. Uh, yeah. and then the film I watched last finished watching last night. Um, which for me is a huge one to talk about, is um, Only God Forgives, starring yeah. the baby de- the baby goose. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, by Nicholas Winding Refn of Death Stranding fame. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> he lent his likeness. Yeah, not his voice, not which his I voice, thought was strange. No. Well, Guillermo del Toro did the same thing. Yeah. His likeness, but not his voice. Um, he's not they're not actors so it makes sense so this movie just again for me just reaffirms that Bangkok's a scary place <laughs> oh look I've never been but yeah like there's there's all sorts of stuff going on there I'm sure that you wouldn't want to get tangled up in yeah there are some underbillies you don't want to explore yeah and I think Bangkok's one of them that's um, true of most places but yeah like any Asian country with yeah you don't want to get Caught up in the <laughs> any country that has the death penalty for being found with a minuscule amount oh, of any substance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some, yeah. Some of the, it's a country you want to stay yeah. the hell away from its underworld. Yeah. In general, stay away from all underworlds, kids. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. Um, but anywhere, anywhere with a triad or a yakuza or an equivalent, <laughs> scary. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this film. <laughs> oh, it's um, a beautiful place. I'm sure. We, you know, we, you know what we're talking. We're about. joking. This film essentially revolves around a a it's a crime movie basically where a family of of criminals there are like American expatriates living in Bangkok right yeah They're so like a crime Julian family. the main character is played by Ryan Gosling and uh, they his family run a Mai Tai uh, like a boxing slash mixed boxing martial gym, arts yeah. gym and uh, it's essentially a front because they're actually a, like a drug running family. They, that's how they make the majority of their money is running yeah. drugs in Bangkok, yeah. which is an incredibly dangerous yeah. uh, field of business. Mm. And essentially, the story is a, it's a revenge plot because um, one of the characters, uh, Julian's, Ryan Gosling's brother, yeah. uh, essentially... Is uh, it like murder- a rival gang kills his brother or no, something? No, so what happens is he, he his brother murders a, uh, oh, little, a little right. girl. Yeah. And the... Uh, his the, brother the, is, was into some... The, the, the antagonist 
if you want to call him that, of the movie. They're all antagonists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the policeman. I don't know I don't know the character's name, but like the big... Yeah, the, the like chief. The, yeah. the chief uh, essentially finds the brother and he's like, look, he murdered your daughter. Yeah. He To the father. Yeah. Uh, do what you want with him. And, and lets so him kill him, yeah. Lets him kill him. And then it's like a one, one eye... Um, eye for an eye. An yeah. eye for an eye kind of story. Yeah. Um, and what I love about this film is Ryan Gosling has almost no lines. Yeah. And like, I know that sounds I think bad. I, I, I don't... He I, has 17 lines I, in the whole film. I don't remember... I think, if I'm remembering correctly, he had more lines and Ryan Gosling was like, no, nah, I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. And w- Nicholas Winning Reference was like, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> no, what I love... Because it, it, it makes it seem like he's kind of damaged in, in, a, yeah. in a way. Because like, one of the things I love about this movie is like hearing the stories about how Ryan Gosling and... Nicholas Winding Refn were just so in sync. Yeah, no. And like, they basically, they, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say Gosling co-wrote the film, but yeah, he was the executive producer. Yeah, and it was very much a exploring as they yeah. went. Because Nicholas Winding Refn, like, because I'm a huge Nicholas Winding Refn fan, and like he obviously has that style of like very stylish neon, and very slow, and sort of not a lot of you know not a lot of dialogue, and very yeah. kind of weird. Um, and Ryan Gosling apparently was just so on board with that, and he would suggest things, and yeah. that would that would make so much sense that well, other actors would probably just run. So yeah, this this film got panned, um, and I kind of understand why. Oh, because, I understand why. No, it's it's a tough film if you're not interested in unique and experimental cinema. Because look, the, it's it's the, a hard movie to like, but that's why I like it because it's no, just it's, so it's awesome. Yeah, but like the the, the problem <laughs> the problem is it's a very incesty kind of film. Oh yeah, because the relation the relationship between the mother and her sons yeah. is a very strange one. Yeah, and uh, that's another thing. Like at the boy, oh, no. should you watch Goliath <laughs> oh, <laughs> season three? <laughs> no, oh, but, that's why there are dream sequences. Like, uh, <laughs> Go on, James. Oh, no, I don't want to spoil it, so I yeah. won't say what I was going to say. But, yeah, Nicholas went... I remember um, Ryan Gosling suggested something that his character could do to his mother. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, no, but I was I like, just love how weird it is. Like, th- the that's weirder the, thing. the better. I'm watching it, I'm like, this came from... I'm like, I'm not surprised it came from a Danish director because I've seen some Lars von Trier movies. I know what goes on over there. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Knows what, I know what goes <laughs> on in Denmark. Yeah, that's it. I've seen, I've seen Dutch films. You can't torment me um but yeah so what makes what what i found very interesting was because they're working in bangkok there were certain parts where they weren't allowed to film or they weren't like at a certain time yeah and they had to they couldn't bribe the guards Mm. because the guards wanted too much money so keep on i'm just reading this is just what i read off i yeah uh, internet movie database someone invited ryan gosling and refin to go to a movie festival yeah and they were like, sure. And the movie festival paid them 90 grand, which was the amount they needed to pay off the guards uh. so they could finish making the movie. <laughs> the guards, the policemen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, the, the antagonist of the film, I thought, was a very striking figure because he just has I this... I love the... He, he reminds me of Nicholas of Nick Cave with the suit. Oh, yeah. It's a very Nick Cavey suit. I like because like, the, the police chief is... Um, I remember reading Nicholas... R- Nicholas Winning Refn would lean over to the actor, the, the Thai actor playing. So you you um, are God. Yeah, who playing the police chief and just whisper in his ear, "You are God." <laughs> so he had, like played his character that way. Yeah, I also I- like how the movie is very, like it embraces Thailand. Like the police chief is just singing 
karaoke. That's what I was going to mention. I'm like, that's just such a weird, like... After really violent, after really violent scenes, it cuts to him in, like, the police bar. And, like, I know we've dropped the term Lynchian already in this review, but I'm watching this, I'm like... This is bizarre. Yeah. This is straight up surrealist filmmaking that you would yeah, get from it's like, like the, David Lynch. Yeah, it's like the candy colored clown from um, Blue, Vel- uh, Blue Velvet where they, he just starts singing to... Yeah. And so it, there'll be like a really violent scene and then the next scene will be the police chief in front of like his men. Yeah. And like the... We, I should, we really quickly talk about the color in this film. So oh, yeah. Nick, I read that Nicholas Winding Refn can't see midtones. Yeah, he's, so, he's like he's got a colorblind. Yeah, so when he when he's lighting his films, and apparently most of this lighting was practical lighting, which is amazing. Yeah, when you when you see some of these shots, to think that they actually made it look like that, and it wasn't like edited yeah, in it's post. Not, yeah, I'm like amazing. You can tell when it's in post, it looks like crap. Yeah, so he so the the colors are really like there'll be like lots of reds and blues right yeah. next to each other. Yeah, and it hurts my head thinking it's about very how saturated neon. Yeah, but I'm like. How, to get some of the shots to look as crisp as they do, but the, the lighting looks like it was perfectly planned. Oh, yeah. And it that, would have been. Yeah, exactly. But I'm like, ama- like uh, the amount of dedication yeah. it must have taken, the lighting crew yeah. alone. Yeah. Incredible filmmaking. Yeah, it's great. But so you get these scenes where the police chief is singing in front of his men and you get like the color, different colors. Yeah. And I'm like, it's beautiful. Just yeah. It's a, like a feast. Yeah. To watch. Yeah. Which is why I think like a lot of people might not like it, but visually, oh yeah, the movie is like another level. Yeah. Even if you hate the movie, like yeah, it, like just visually, it's because uh, Nicholas Reffin recommend he says it's a masterpiece. Yeah. And I'm like, I absolutely agree in terms of the I mean, technical aspects of filmmaking. Yeah. Just oh yeah, it's an very absolute well masterpiece. Yeah. I mean, I mean, in terms of his filmography, I don't know if it's I'd say it's his best, but it's it's a good movie the, and like, but like. Yeah, I can see why people don't yeah. like a lot of his films because I like almost. I think I like all his films. The one I love cri- all his. The films. one criticism I would have, and it's not even a criticism. In some aspects, you could argue it's actually a strength as well, mm. is that the it's not a plot heavy film, because yeah, but not, his his movies are more about like character and tone. There's I, almost no exposition. I would just say wait until you watch a Drive because yeah, yeah like. Know. You still haven't seen Drive. It's on my list. Which, which is insane to me. And I've walked out of this show before when I heard that for the first time. No, look. And you I, have lo- to, I love Drive. You yeah. have to watch Drive, one, because it's incredible. But two, because that's the Ryan Gosling, Nicholas Reffin, like, love, uh, meet, yeah. love <laughs> yeah, meeting, yeah. you know, the first time they work together. But yeah, no, I, I was saying that there's very little exposition. There's, there's like, no narration, really. The main character doesn't have many lines, so a lot of people think it's light on yeah. plot, and that's one argument I can I can see why people would make that argument because a lot of the story is told but physically. It's, it's, it's also yeah, it's it's um what it, what's the word I'm looking for where you tell something yeah. through like like it's shown it's shown yeah. yeah, but it's also like implied through like like symbolism. Yeah, exactly. I know that sounds pretentious as hell but it is and nicholas in, in this case, we- yeah nicholas yeah. winning reference can be very pretentious but i just i love everything no. he does like give me more hook it to my veins i don't the care. other the other scene i wanted to talk about that, that really struck a chord with me was the hyper violent scene in uh the club where the yeah where the policeman uh, murders one of the characters but because of how Lynchian it was, there's you got all of these beautiful women sitting there, yeah. and he's like, "Close your eyes, ladies." Yeah. And then he like tortures this guy. Yeah. And then afterwards, it goes like to the club, and he's singing again yeah. or whatever. I was just like, 
I'm just, I'm like, damn, this is just awesome. Yeah. Just to watch. I'm like, it's bizarre. It's strange. It's violent. Yeah. Like I said, it's perverse, mm. but it's just great. No, I love it. Yeah, just great. The more, the more weird, the better. <laughs> you need to watch a drive in the next week. I will actually watch it. Watch it this week, so we can talk about it next week. Okay, I and will. we can relate it back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah I will. But uh, yeah, I would recommend to those people who are interested in interesting, unique cinema. And I think like weird, James, ultra violent. It doesn't. It's it's like it's a white it's a white director who goes to an Asian country and he's like oh, he's gonna make a movie set there and it's gonna have their culture. And normally, you would roll your eyes and be like, yeah, yeah. sure, whatever. But he, you know, he moved his family while they were yeah, making they it. Lived there. The the movie's kind of there's there's characters who only speak the native language. Yeah, and there's like it's subtitled and everything. It's not like anglicized. It's not a mainstream action movie where it's like, you know, it's just like they're trying to like lots of ex- yeah. expository the, dialogue where they try to move things forward and like the Thai characters speak English and the American. There's so many American characters that everyone just speaks English, so it makes sense. It's like nah, it's just like. Super weird. People hardly talk at all. Just yeah. like in real life. <laughs> well, the uh, well, like the know, you, the credits in the film are even in Thai. Like the actual, oh, yeah. like you know, like you know, what I mean, it's like a Thai film yeah. made by a Dutch director starring yeah. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm like, that's why I like it. It's not, it's not pretentious in the sense that it's not like you know, a Western director going and being like, look at me bringing Hollywood to you. Yeah. It's, he's making like... <laughs> oh, a, this movie is the least Hollywood yeah, movie. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like it's a Bangkok film being made by a Western director. Yeah. If that it's makes a Nicholas sense. winning reference film yeah. in Bangkok. So yeah, I would recommend to people who are actually interested in things like cinematography, if you like lighting stuff and violent stuff and <laughs> neon lights and, oh, the soundtrack, my God, like... You know, synthy. Yeah. yeah, like synthy. Wait, you know. wait till next week when me and James spend ten minutes talking about the really cool driving jacket that Ryan Gosling has. Ten minutes to talk about the whole show. <laughs> you know, yeah. next week we'll just talk about drive the whole show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, well, that's about well, that's about me. So maybe two, two and a half, maybe even three. It's hard to keep track of time anymore. I finished reading The Hobbit. Oh, Mazatov. Very um, good. <laughs> um, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's a really fun, easy to read adventure. Fantasy, you know, adventure yeah. fantasy. Um, and it's also very funny. Which, when you think of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and you know J.R. Tolkien, and like yeah, humor's fantasy, not high on the list. Yeah, yeah. It's like you don't think like there's hu- there's obviously humor in the Peter Jackson movies. But you don't think of Lord of the Rings, you don't think of humor. But like yeah. The Hobbit is because I guess it's a quote unquote children's book. Yeah. Um. It's and but it, it's not that kind. Of, it's not dumb kids humor. It's like funny old English writer humor. Yeah. You know that that comes through. Um. You know, it was published in 1937 or whatever. So kids books back then were vastly different than however yeah. they are now. Um. And also he created an entire language and and entire different cultures and different, this whole, you know, the whole um, Middle, Middle Earth, Earth yeah. you know, this whole world that he created, this whole universe, just just to make a, I think he just wrote it for his kids, right, originally? Yeah. He wrote it because there were no English That's Lord fairies. That's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Did he write Lord of the Rings first? No, yeah. no, no. The Hobbit first. Yeah, the, he yeah. wrote The Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings was a sequel, quote unquote sequel. So then he said he wrote Lord of the Rings because there were no English fairy tales, but he wrote The Hobbit first, which is closer. 
don't know. No, no, no. We're, we're probably wrong about most things we say about Confidently talking. Confidently incorrect. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah continue. Yeah. <laughs> we did three episodes we, about Lord of the Rings. Everything we said was probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, it was really fun. And um, then I re-watched the 1977 animated uh, Hobbit movie. How does it compare? Um, I had seen it a few years ago, um, and you know it was fine. And I and I rewatched it, and like obviously as an adaptation, it's not great. They had to cut out a lot. It's only like seventy minutes or whatever. Um, but the anima- some of the like some of the animation styles, pretty good. You know, I thought about purchasing uh, one of the authentic and signed cells. Yeah, you showed me that. Um, and boy, I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, um, some of the animations cool, like the designs of things. It's like, we talked about how Peter Jackson's movies are so visually, um, definitive. Iconic. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, this is, you know, in the seventies and it's like, I, th- I, li- I like some of the design. Like I, lo- I like the way Gandalf looks. He looks different to the Peter Jackson version. I like the way Bilbo looks. He looks different to the Peter Jackson version, you know? It still looks really cool and and um, unique, um, and you know obviously some of the animation's not great, um, and obviously it's probably a lot of budget. You know, animation takes a lot of time and money, but yeah, it's it's a good good fun movie. Um, and then because we've we've talked about before, the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies aren't very good. Stay away. There were there were two they were too drawn out. There shouldn't have been three movies. They wanted to do two. I think that's even a bit too much. They probably should have just done one three-hour movie with a four-hour extended cut. Um, that would have been fine. They would have had to cut some stuff out of the of the adaptation, you know, from the book. But it would have been fine. But, you know, they had to stretch it out and there's too much CGI and they weren't very good, um, especially when you compare them to how good the Lord of the Rings trilogy was. Um, but a few years ago, I had watched a fan edit of all the Hobbit, the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies condensed down into one three-hour movie. It was called There and Back Again. And it was pretty good. It, it's, it wasn't great. Was it made by a relatively famous film actor? No. No. You're, you're thinking of um, Phantom, the Phantom yeah. edit? Yeah, Phantom yeah, yeah. Menace edit. Anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I had seen that a few years ago and it was, it was all right. You know, it did a, did a decent job of condensing things, cutting out all the unnecessary subplots that Peter Jackson made just for the films. Um, but then this time around, I thought, well, I've heard of another fan edit called, uh, done by, uh, one or one or more people called Maple Films, which I'll call the Maple Edit. And this is a four hour, 20 minute cut of all three Hobbit movies condensed Um, and to make it a bit closer to the books um, and to obviously cut out all the unnecessary stuff. And it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It highlights the strengths of the Peter Jackson movies. Which are? Because when you watch the Peter Jackson movies, it's just like you just see the bad CGI and the unnecessary stuff they added in and it's too drawn out and you don't see the... Well, you see the good stuff, but it's it's um, it's heavily skewed towards yeah. the bad. So this cut obviously shows the strengths of what the movie could have been if they had just focused on 
stuff. Yeah. So obviously, like, I, I think this the start of the movie is quite good where they introduce the dwarves and the unexpected party. Like, that's a good, real good. I really like... I felt this even before I watched the fan edit, but I do really like Martin Freeman as Bilbo. I think he's yeah. fantastic. I think he gives one of, like, a really, really great performance. Um, and just this, the way they um, interpret the songs from the yeah. book. Yeah. I, I really like the way they did the songs, especially the Misty Mountain song, where they're at the sad song they sing to sort of, that, can, that ends up convincing Bilbo to go on the, the journey. Um, I think the game of riddles is the best part of the movie and was also for me the best chapter of the book, the yeah. riddles in the dark. It's classic, yeah. Yeah, so great where he's like battling Gollum, Gollum yeah. to, to, you know, to Battle escape. Wits. Yeah. Um, and there are some other really cool things. I do, you know, the thing with the Hobbit novel is that it was much lighter, you know, much more fun. Um, and then when he wrote Lord of the Rings later... It he, he, it's a bit more serious and yep. the, the effects of the ring start coming up which aren't in The Hobbit at all. In fact, the the ring in The Hobbit is just like a magic ring. Yeah. Um, and Peter Jackson obviously tried to connect it more to his Lord of the Rings movies and so there is sort of the, the temptation of the ring yep. for Bilbo and the corruption of the ring for Bilbo in The Hobbit movies which I don't disagree with and I like some of the stuff they did. But it does play with the tone a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where you're like, this is supposed to be a fun adventure with like dwarves and it it kind of, you know, but most of it does, you know. That might be a studio thing too though, you know, like they they might be like, well, we need to connect it more to the existing property. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I think, you know, Peter Jackson made a good decision in trying to match it to his movies. But I think in some cases it's like it doesn't match the tone of what they're going for. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as as the edit goes on and as you get to the second movie and third movie, which in the edit is like the the um you know, second act and third act of this one long four hour cut, you do see more and more of the weaknesses because they do have to introduce things just by necessity, otherwise the edit won't make sense. Yeah. So they have to bring in things that weren't in the book just so the the edit flows. Um, and so you get like, yeah, you get things that are just like, uh, this doesn't need to be there. And, and by the end of the, the battle of five armies is CGI nonsense. And most, uh, thankfully they cut that down a lot. The, the maple edit does. So like, yeah, the, sounds good to me. It, it's definitely worth watching. And apparently there's another edit, which I forget the name off the top of my head, but that's very similar to the Maple edit, but it's even closer to the books and a bit tighter. Yeah. It's, it's so, a shame that, like, there's not, we don't live in an alternate reality where you can purchase edits. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you could go on the internet and be, and, like, don't get me wrong, like, the companies would take a cut. Yeah. But, like, you could pay, like, some guy on the internet to be like, I want a copy of the Maple Cut on Blu ray. Yeah. And then they might get a few dollars. There are, yeah. I mean, you know, New Line or whatever. There are bootlegs of people put fan edits on. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, there's no official. Which would uh, change the Star um, Wars scene for. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty The the bootleg market for that is um, strong um, for (laughs) obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, I, I, there is another edit which is um, a bit tighter and closer to the books apparently um, while still keeping a lot of the strengths of the Maple edit. So I'll check, maybe maybe in a few years I'll check that on, ad out and see if it, yeah. uh, it changes my feelings again. But yeah, 
it it's just such a shame because Peter Jackson did such a great job with Lord of the Rings and and it's just I don't think you know he was he didn't even want to direct it like Guillermo del Toro was supposed to direct it which would have been great I think that's a different film yeah and they were supposed to do two films which like I said is still too many but that would have been better and then eventually like he just had to kind of Del, yeah, Del Toro left and then they had to do three films and then he just had to do it and he was and then they shot the film with practical orcs and then they didn't I don't know he didn't like the way they looked and then he like CGI'd over them they look like crap now and it was just like a whole mess I don't think yeah. his heart was really in it even though he's such a fan of the source material um, but yeah it, it was an interesting journey and I've started reading um, Lord of the Rings for yeah. the first time um, I'm up to the chapter where they've met Tom Bombadil, <laughs> which is um, quite interesting because the start of the book is, you know, the part, Bilbo's going away or his birthday party and then yeah. he disappears. Well, yeah, you're now in that's, unfamiliar waters. Yeah, it's like that's very similar. And yeah. then Gandalf comes and gives Frodo the ring and tells him about it. And that's a little bit different, but mostly the same. And But then from then on, it's quite different because yeah. the journey goes into... Interesting directions. Different direction and... Tom Bombadil, obviously, is not I mean, we talked about this on the review when we talked about Lord of the Rings, but there are certain things I can understand taking out of the out of the book for the film. Yeah. You know, like um, not including Bombadil in the film was a good decision. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, like, reading the book, I'm really enjoying it because it's like... It's different, It's yeah. different, but also I'm like, I'm so glad he cut all this out because it's not necessary to the flow of an adventure film. Yeah. Not saying it's... No, yeah, you know, no, different, formats bad. different formats, yeah. exactly. In a book, you can... Take you, as much time yeah. as you need, yeah. You know, you know that, that's the whole point of writing a book is like you can introduce things late explore in the game and explore yeah. things, talk about a character's history for like yeah. three pages. Uh, how, so how far into Bombadil's chapter are you? They've gone to his house, they've had dinner with Goldberry, yep. and they've gone to bed and they've gotten up the next morning and I think... I don't think they've departed. I think I think they either just departed or they're about to depart. That's again. such a the, the the dinner scene's really great because they're like, "Hey, can you look at this for us, Bombadil?" And they show yeah. him the ring. Oh yeah, he did that uh, part. Yeah, yeah. And, and he like tosses it up yeah. in the air and he he's flips like, oh, it on the table. He's like, "This is like how guess yeah. and gives it back." I think like uh, it's like it's the one ring and yeah. he's just like. Whatever. It's what's interesting is like because before I had read the novel, when I thought of Tom Bombadil, I thought he was even more ethereal. Like he just pranced through the woods and talked to them and then disappeared. And you're like, wow, who's that guy? But in the book, it's more like, it's more Tolkien-esque where it's like, no, he invites them in. He tells yeah. them stories. They eat. They eat a lot. Food is very important to the hobbits, hobbits especially, yeah. but just like Tolkien's writing. Yeah. Um, and then there's Goldberry who's like, well, she's like an elf queen, but she's not. And it's like, yeah, she's like what's yeah. going on there? And then it's like, and he talks about how he's like older than the, most universe, ancient yeah. things but also he's just a guy who's not in charge of anything he's the master of the land but he's not and i'm like Tolkien, wh <laughs> what level are you on i like what yeah. so he rep he from my understanding is he represents mystery in his purest form because yeah. there are some things which but, are not to be explained yeah well like but when we talked about that before yeah. i read the book i always just, i was assumed it was more ethereal like more yeah. mystical but it's it's so not it's He's so physical yeah it's physical and it's like very english and it's very tolkien-esque yeah and i it's one of those things where after i finish the book i, I want to read one of those 
um, Cliff Notes things where it just dissects. I would buy that book. Yeah, yeah like it, where it dissects. Like this is what Tolkien well, was saying. Like, I mean, because Tolkien had extensive notes. Yeah, he that, did. That were, I think, they were published, or at least they've parts been, of them. Yeah, they've been. Um, what's preserved. great about What's great about Bombadil is at the there. There used to be a theory, which I personally don't believe, mm. that Bombadil and the Witch King were like the same guy. Um, I don't and believe Sau- that. Bombadil and Sauron, or Bombadil and the... Uh, the, the the theory I read was uh, the Witch King of Angmar. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah the the Ringwraith. Um, I don't believe that myself. I think that's that's no because Bombadil wrong. wouldn't be beholden that doesn't, to anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was just some that doesn't had make a big sense. Thesis. Then he would have yeah. snatched the ring and turned yeah. into a Ringwraith. I agree, but uh, the, the, there is a mystery there because at the end of the book, um, Gandalf. One of the things Gandalf says is like, "I have to go and talk to Tom, Tom Bombadil now." Yeah. So it's like I'm wondering, is like, is Gandalf that, like, what are the implications of this? Of yeah. Destroying well, the ring? Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, and the I only haven't... the only person who might have wisdom higher than the gods is Bombadil. Yeah. Which obviously I haven't gotten to the end yet yeah. so it'll be interesting to read that passage and see how it's it... only one yeah it's only like it, you don't actually get to see that conversation yeah. no, that's no, like no. completely hidden from frustratingly hidden from view yeah um quickly before we go i also watched invincible the amazon Ooh, i've um, seen the first episode it's pretty good ending right yeah yeah like um uh look i was a little bit like what like why but, why did omni man do no no oh don't spoil it no, I'm not going to spoil it, but just like there are there are, there are things no. that happen, to you I'm just like, why did these happen? But that's the like because you're watching the show and you're like, oh, this is a cool superhero kind of show, and then it ends and you're like, oh, I have to watch every episode to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah. Um, it was that like, and it's a good, obviously, like I just said a few minutes ago, animation is very time consuming and expensive, and so the show has, it looks fine, but it's not great animation. It's not super. Studio but but the story seems epic. to be, from what I've seen, but, the story's been told well. But that's what I'm saying is the 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 uh, animation is of a standard quality. Not saying it's bad or anything, it's but acceptable. it's acceptable. Yeah, but what's really interesting about it, I think, is the story and the characters and the vo- there's a stacked cast. J.K. Voice- Simmons plays Omni Man. Yeah, J.K. Um, Stephen Yuen plays Yen, the um, Invincible. Uh, Sandra O, oh, Gillian Jacobs, Mark Hamill. Zachary Quinto, Jason Manzukas, like the list goes on. Like yeah, I, I like Goggins. I like from just from what I've seen. I like yeah. the fact that this show, even though it's animated, it can take a breather. It yeah. can sort of it's, it's it can anima- slow yeah. down. It's animated, but it's done in a way. It's like they're like fifty minute episodes. It's done in the same way as any other premium yeah. cable or streaming show, which I appreciate. Show. It's not like yeah. uh, oftentimes I'll see an animated show and it, they'll try to be like as big and bombastic as they can because it's like we can get away yeah. with things we can't do in live action, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But this show, from what I've seen so far, it, it, it appreciate that it takes those moments to st- slow down, have a character moment here and yeah. there. Oh, it and definitely then, has the time to do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being based on a comic book, that being animated, they can get, probably get away with more than they could in a live action. Also, I mean, obviously, they'd have, have to condense some things and, you know, the end does feel a bit rushed. But, um, it earns its R rating. Oh yeah, it's super violent. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if you like the boys, I'd say watch Invincible. Um, it's on Amazon. Even as well. yeah, it's, on, it's the same. And and even though it's animated, and you you might not be into that or might not take it seriously. Like it's definitely worth. It's an adult oriented superhero uh, deconstruction of the superhero genre. Yeah. Don't this. don't let your kids watch it. No, 
yeah it's it, and it's really fun too like it, it it does that thing that great balance of like we can deconstruct superheroes show their flaws show i like how they show collateral damage of like people dying when aliens attack a city or whatever they can show that side of things but they can also have like fun cool superhero stuff and and humor and fun as well and also like how the superheroes are like obviously different takes on superheroes we know and love there's war woman who's obviously wonder there's woman the red rush yeah there's red rush who's obviously the flash you know so it's like and there's aquaman but, who's actually a fish yeah, he's a fish man <laughs> yeah there's a fish man and <laughs> but he's it's just like, like a giant walking fish he just shoots yeah water. It's but it, it's like i like how you've got those and it's like well that's obviously just a way to have those but it's like no that they're actually kind of interesting they they do different things. So, yeah, I'll be interested. I hope they do another season. Oh, it's been making waves. I they saw an image. I think it'd been I renewed. S- I can't remember. I saw an image renewed. of one of the showrunners and they put, this is how far, they had like an omnibus edition of the comic. Yeah. And it was like, and there was like a bookmark, like an inch or two, like maybe three, four inches into the big book. And the yeah. book was massive. And he's like, this is how far we are in the story right okay, now. Okay, good. So I'm hoping yeah. like I'm hoping, they've got a lot of room to work. Yeah, I'm hoping it does go... F- you know, Amazon, they've cancelled a few things, but unlike Netflix, they seem to let things go for at least a few seasons. So, yeah, fingers crossed for another season. I'm I'm really um I'm really looking forward to that. It's a good show. Check it out. Yeah. Um I think that's everything. Yep. That's all the time we've got for tonight. Thank you for listening everybody to another episode of the Tuesday Review. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next rate, week. Rate review and subscribe. It's important. It does things. Also, very quickly, uh, uh, our li- one of our listeners, Elise, who is a big su- has been a big supporter of the show for many years, has uh, started her own podcast with a couple of friends. It's called You Can Fix That in Post. So if you like this show for whatever reason, um, check that show out because it's basically like a more condensed, better, less rambly version of whatever we're doing here. Um, so yeah, check that out, and I'm sure you can um, subscribe to their social media too. Yeah, it's a good show. I've listened to. It. They do like focused episodes on different things. So yeah, check it out. They did one about the Alien franchise, one about vampires. Yeah, well, good. Um, you can catch us on Spotify, Shout Engine, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast. We'll see you next week. Adios, cousins.